We'll be right back after this. I've actually been using today's sponsor for over three years and love them. And that company is Mint Mobile. After years of fine print contracts getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when you hear me say Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, you might think, what's the catch? But the cool part is that there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They don't have retail stores or salespeople, which cost a lot of money. Instead, they deliver premium phone plans directly to you. Say goodbye to your multi-hundred dollar phone bill per month and start using Mint Mobile where plans start as low as 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash fyshow. That's mintmobile.com slash fyshow. Cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash fyshow. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Now back to the show. I think I just need to go to like a six-week survival camp where I learn all these skills. I learn how to garden. I learn how to hunt and forage. I, I learn how to use a bow and arrow to get my food. Welcome to The Fi Show, where you'll get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Financial Independence Show, where today we're going to talk about why skills are one of the most important things you can collect. Justin and I were thinking after Grant's re-released episode last week, where he talked about skills being the future currency, that skills are so important. But before we dive into all that stuff, let me check in with my co-host, Justin. What is going on, man? Hey, Cody. Yeah, for those who've been listening to episodes over the last few weeks, you might have heard us talk about my Frontier Pass, the thing that I had, and going to take advantage of that again. Now, one weird thing with it, right, is like out of Austin, there's not a ton of direct flights. So you pretty much have to either go through Denver, go through Vegas to get just about anywhere. And with that, sometimes comes some like nasty layovers. And that can be a deterrent, or I've kind of turned it into like a nice to have thing where I'll go and hang out with folks I know in Denver and maybe even multiple days. Like maybe I'll even break it up to where I just buy a one-way ticket to Denver and then one-way ticket from there to wherever I want to go. Because for those who don't know, Denver is like a major hub of Frontier. Denver and Orlando can take you just about anywhere. So I actually flew to Denver on Saturday to get a head start and to get to hang out with my friend who has an apartment down in what's called Kuchara. It's a town a couple hours south of Denver. Um, he got a little condo down there, checked that out, went on some big hikes. And this was in preparation to getting me to Salt Lake City, where I'm meeting up with a few guys. And then we're going to carpool down to Southern Idaho for a country music festival. Because basically, you can fly into Boise or Salt Lake. It's about the same drive. And Salt Lake's just a lot easier to get to. So that's what we're doing. It's uh, mostly Texas country, funny enough, and we're traveling across the country to go there, even though we live in Texas. But uh, it's a it's a good time. It's a festival that we went to the last two years, and I'm excited about it. All right, Justin, I'm not going to let you off the hook with this one. I really wanted you to mention it. You didn't mention it, so I'm going to bring it up. Ripped Dip. Dude, you're an entrepreneur. I've been seeing people repost <laughs> your product that you created. You have your own labels. Can you tell us about this? I don't know if you want to call it a company yet, this side hustle that you created. Yeah, so I mean, you know, I'm really bad about like, Coming up with a million ideas, kind of dipping my toes in the water, not really taking it far enough to, for it to ever mean anything. And so with this, I just told myself, hey, minimum viable product, like, let's just see what happens. And so 
I got my recipe locked down. Uh, I created my labels and I'm literally like hand cutting the labels out at home right now because I was like, I don't want to invest much in this until I see what the demand is and just getting feedback. And thankfully, all the feedback has been awesome. Like people are as soon as they get their hands on it are like loving it and they're naturally spreading the word. So, yeah, the goal is, I mean, you know, maybe someday it's in at least some local grocery stores uh, because it's really a scale game, you know, something like that. The margins are good but it's a low price point and it's a physical product. So you'd need to sell a lot of them. So um, it, it's really a, a scale play. Like you gotta, you gotta get this into stores and you gotta be selling cases and cases of this stuff for it to be meaningful, but it's a cool pet project. And uh, I'm doing my best to give it a real effort and to, you know, legitimize it as much as possible and not stop and try to get every little thing figured out and just, run with it um i've got some connections that have released some different beverages so they are at least familiar with the economies and the and the organizations and, and the rules and all that they go into getting a product to market and getting it into stores so i'm hoping to leverage that and who knows yeah maybe ripped it will be available in more places than just my gym <laughs> where i drive it over to <laughs> i was gonna say i want to get my hands on some so what is it exactly is it like a pudding with protein powder in it, it obviously that's the very very basic description. I don't want you to give away the secret formula, but <laughs> that's what it looks like. Yeah. So it's, I would say consistency wise, it's, it's kind of close to like a cake frosting. Uh, it's, it's fairly thick, not quite as thick as like peanut butter, but it's pretty thick. It's a lot thicker than like a yogurt you would get at the store. It does need to be refrigerated. It's 20 grams of protein, seven grams of carbs, two grams of fat per serving. And that's only 120 calories. So you're getting 20 grams of protein, 120 calories. It's much better macros than, you know, like a Quest bar, which I would argue is probably like the gold standard for protein bars. It tastes so good. It's peanut butter chocolate. If anybody who knows me, they would have absolutely guessed <laughs> that's the flavor I'd went with because I love everything peanut butter chocolate. And it goes so good on strawberries. It was something that I made for myself because I have such a sweet tooth. And it was so good. I just started thinking about it and I started researching and realized, there's not really a competitor. The macros are so much better than most of the alternatives, and it tastes so good that I thought this thing might have legs. And especially once I started researching the price to make a serving, even at just normal, like me going to the store and buying the ingredients, not wholesale, and comparing that to what people pay for these bars, you know, which are generally like $2 for the, the nicer, like Quest bars. So I'm selling mine for $1.50 per serving. And you know, the hope is that if this thing scaled, I would get my ingredients cheaper and then take that difference in revenue and put that towards like someone else, you know, making the labels and packaging it and all that sort of stuff. So that way, hopefully that could kind of even out and keep a similar profit margin, but take a lot of the work off me. And is the idea to use it like a Nutella where you're using it as like a condiment or do you just like spoon it out and crush the whole thing in one go? So that's what's interesting <laughs> about it is getting like getting this in the hands of people and seeing what they do with <laughs> yeah. it. So I love it by itself. I love it on fruit. I made a protein pancake this morning and just slathered it over the pancake. I mean, some people might like maybe they've made overnight oats and they just want a little extra something to throw in there. And the other thing, too, is you can take things that aren't necessarily healthy and that's OK. Like we all have things that aren't like the best in the world for us. But having this with it, you can at least incorporate some protein. So like you take a warm croissant 
and put some of this on it and it is money like it's so good it's like if you're going to have a warm croissant anyway instead of buying like the chocolate stuffed croissant just buy a plain one put this in it and now all of a sudden like sure you're still having the croissant but at least you know you're getting a lot of protein with very little extra calories in there versus just getting the one that's stuffed with you know milk chocolate very true cool well if you start shipping them out, or maybe I'll just have to come visit in Austin again, <laughs> I'll try out some Rip Dip <laughs> and maybe I'll put it on. I was thinking about like putting it on a banana or something like a, like a Nutella, but way healthier. That's that's where my mind is going. Oh, there. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of different use cases. Yeah, I, and it's, it is definitely it's good on bananas, apples, all that sort of stuff. But for some reason, and it's funny because it's the first thing I tried it on and it's what I actually incorporated it into the label. It's so good on strawberries. All right. Chocolate covered strawberries or ripped dip covered strawberries. Okay. Well, I think that's kind of the perfect transition. Well, I guess I'll update you quick on what I've been doing, but we're talking about skills today, building skills, obviously a physical product, just by doing it, you're going to build so many skills. You're going to learn about marketing. You're going to, you're already starting to label stuff. You're figuring out like the pricing of the ingredients and how much you can upsell them for. It's like, yeah, it's, it's all a fun game. I love business building for me, actually on a business front, we have another Airbnb property that we're in talks with, with the owner. So For those who have listened before, you might have heard me talk about this, but just for those who haven't heard real quick, we set up this agreement with a property owner. We take 30%, they take 70. We basically manage their Airbnb for them. They have like a million dollar home on a lake, super nice. And we have another home on a lake that is super nice. And our partner who we own these Airbnbs and manage the Airbnbs with, Brooke, owns a cleaning company. So she has like direct access to a lot of high net worth individuals with nice houses And they want us to manage their Airbnb. So going and checking that out tomorrow, actually. And then we'll see if that all pans out. We're going to be doing the same deal where we take 30%. They take 70. We manage it. And the nice part for us is we don't have a skin in the game. Like if there's a repair, they take care of it. If there's some kind of issue, they they take care of it. All the maintenance, all that stuff they take care of. We just take the upside by getting them as many bookings as humanly possible. And obviously dealing with the cleaning and customer service. So that's fun. Also been working quite a bit this past week on Gold City Ventures, just kind of revamping stuff. I just got back from our three week trip in Bali. So I was not working very much while I was over there, like an hour a day, which is the awesome part of entrepreneurship is you could take time off. But if you want to get ahead and move forward in your business, it's it's not great when you work an hour a day. So been kind of getting back into the swing of things and also just like battling through jet lag. Once we got back, it was like, My body, you know, it's 11 a.m. My body thinks it's 11 p.m. So I'm like starting to get tired and we adjusted after a couple of days. It was all right. But yeah, that jet lag, the 12 hour going back 12 hours sucks. Like that's one of the worst jet lags is going in that direction, going from east to west as far as you can possibly go pretty much from, you know, from Bali to Massachusetts. Or I guess going to California might be worse, but it wasn't fun. But now I'm fully adjusted. Now I'm good. Been going to the gym, been kind of getting back in the swing of things and feeling all right. But all right, let's jump into this episode, Justin. We are talking about skills today. So just real quick, for those who want to read the show notes, share this episode with a friend, you can do all that at thefiveshow.com slash skills. That's thefiveshow.com slash skills. All righty, let's jump into this thing. So Justin, you did an awesome job of kind of giving an outline. And for those who are looking at video, I have my phone in front of me because my computer wasn't being very cooperative when I had two different screens up. Okay, so two flavors of skills. I just kind of want to, I guess, first, why why did you frame skills like this? And what gave you this idea? I don't know what gave me the idea, but it just kind of came to me where I was thinking about it. And I was thinking about skills being these two major categories. And we'll like get into it. And there definitely are nuances around how they can fit into both. But thinking about how skills can be like offensive or defensive. And when I say offensive, I'm saying 
Like it's a skill that can make me money and defensive meaning it's a skill that can save me money and or help me avoid spending money, which, you know, obviously is saving money. But some people only think about saving money in the way of like, okay, I got to spend something, but now I'm getting like a discount. But also just being able to completely avoid an expense because of the skill that you have. So that's what I was saying about defensive. And then within that, I was also thinking it'd be kind of interesting to to think about things that some of us just have skills that we are good at. It doesn't mean we love it. it. doesn't mean it's like a passion. And then there's skills that you have that you actually do love and you are passionate about. And so if you find something that is something you're passionate about and it's offensive, like you can make money from it, those are amazing because like now you're doing work that doesn't feel like work. And then on like the defensive side, sometimes it's like, I'm good at this. It saves me money. I don't love it, but it's still awesome to have because it helps you avoid some kind of expense. And I think we all know that the wider we can get that gap between our income and our expenses, like that is really what accelerates us to financial independence, like attacking it from both angles. And so um, I think skills play a big part of both of those. Yeah, I 100% agree. And we used our friend, chat GPT to generate some skills from both ends of the spectrum from offensive to defensive. And I know you had another prompt in there, Justin, I'm scrolling through here. Oh, yeah, list of hobbies that are best suited for monetization. We got a lot we can kind of dive into in this episode. One thing that I've been thinking about, like in preparation for this episode. So if you didn't listen to last week's episode, where we re aired our most popular episode ever with Grant Sabatier, he talks about skills being future currency. And actually, another previous guest, Josh from the Phi couple, he texted me a couple weeks ago. And he was like, he's been doing really well with his business. His revenue numbers have been going up. His subscriber count's been going up. He's been blowing up on social media. And it's like, do you ever just feel like it's all going to come crumbling down? And I thought about it for a minute. And I was like, honestly, no. But even if it did, I feel (laughs) like I have the skills. Like I've acquired the skills now to probably build exactly what I have right now in a fraction of the time. And I feel like a lot of us don't give ourselves enough credit. Like, no matter what position you're in, if you look back at yourself a couple of years ago, you don't you didn't possess any of the skills you have now. And like whether you're you know in sales or in marketing or in some other role or you're an entrepreneur, or you're not an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter. You have acquired skills that now make you like better at earning money, better at saving money. And I think that's just so true and something that we don't give ourselves enough credit for. And that's why Grant says skills are future currency, because someone could take all of your income streams away. You could lose your job, your business could fail, but nobody can take those skills away. There's that show. It's called Undercover Billionaire, where like a billionaire will go undercover. They start with like $100 or something, and they have to have, I think it's like a million dollar business within 90 days. And the crazy thing is like a lot of these guys actually do it. And girls, they actually do it. And you're like, how is that possible? Like this must just be for show. And it probably is. It's TV. But if someone learns how to make a billion dollars and you take all their money away, like they're going to do it. They're going to they're going to do it faster than when they first started out. And they're going to do it a heck of a lot faster than someone who has never made a million dollars or have never made a billion dollars because they've already acquired that skill set. So I just think that's just something that's so important from a mindset perspective, like your skills can't be taken away. So if that is true, if skills are the most important thing, like and, and your main goal is to increase your income, to increase your earning capacity or increase the gap between your income and your expenses, your number one goal should be acquiring more income generating skills and also acquiring kind of the defensive skills Justin was talking about where you're keeping your expenses at bay. So that was a long ramble. Just wanted to, to <laughs> share those ideas because I've, I've been thinking about this a lot since we since I re-listened to that grant episode. And yeah, anything to add there, Justin? Or you want to dive into some of these offensive versus defensive examples? 
Well, I mean, I think with that, when you're thinking about that specific example of like the undercover billionaire and building businesses, it's not something I mentioned as a category going into it. But when I think about that, I think about all the sort of soft skills that maybe sometimes we don't give ourselves credit for. Like it's easy to focus. And I think we should definitely focus a good bit on like the more physical skills. And when I say that, I mean, like, okay, if I can build a table, like that's something I can physically do, I can show you, I can prove that I know how to do it versus like critical thinking, networking, uh, negotiating. Like those are things that, you know, they don't have a physical output necessarily. You can't like really see them, but they're so important when you're thinking about building a business and entrepreneurship. But obviously not everyone has a desire or need or want or whatever to be an entrepreneur. So I think it's really important to explore both types of skills. Yeah. I mean, even soft skills though, Justin, like if you were to get interviewed now versus 10 years ago, you're probably so much better of an interview now. You're more confident, like you know how to talk, you know you know the ins and outs of the role. Like there's just so many things that, like you said, you just pick up along the way, even if they're not tangible, it's not like hard money. Like I know how to run ads. I know how to do this thing that generates money directly. Like you just, you don't lose that. Whether whether it's corporate or entrepreneurship, I just think, yeah, those soft skills are super important. The only way you get better is putting in the reps. Yeah. All right, so you want to go through some of these non-technical skills. So I'll just quickly go through the list. We can kind of pick any of these 10, Justin. So there's financial literacy, communication, persuasion, problem solving and critical thinking, networking, time management, negotiation. That's an important one we talked about before. Emotional intelligence, leadership and management, sales and marketing, adaptability and learning agility. All right, I'm going to start with that last one, actually, because I get the question a lot, like, was going to college worth it? And there's so many debates about this. And it seems like a lot of times in the financial independence camp and the just online business. If you go on Twitter and ask that question, everyone's like, no, college isn't worth it. It's a scam. What college did for me though, was it helped me learn faster. Like I learned how to learn in college. And that's kind of something that I've been able to develop. And through reps, I've been able to become a fast learner just by like learning different things, learning different skills. And like one skill might bleed into another skill. And all of a sudden you wake up and you have like these 50 new skills that you've developed because you haven't been afraid to fail or you haven't been afraid to try something new. So I think that one is like really important, the adaptability and learning agility. And my learning agility has definitely multiplied since I started this whole thing back when I was, God, like 19. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, like on the college front, like right, it's different for different people. I mean, it's one of those things where like when you look at it, like technically speaking, if there were, if you could have all these other things eliminated, is it the most efficient way? Like maybe not. But like for me, you know, growing up in a small town, having no exposure to people who had really, you know, went and and left and done things, going to college just helped me get exposure. It helped me like see that there was more out there. So that's what was so big there. It helped me open my eyes up to the possibilities. Now, do you have to have college to be able to do that? Not for everyone, but for me, that's that's what it did. And the other thing I think is cool about this one specifically is when it starts to talk about like the explanation behind adaptability and learning agility it talks about the willingness to learn new things. I'm a habitual hobbyist. Like I've got so many random skills and there's so <laughs> many things that I've got so many buddies who are like super smart people, but like they're born and raised in the city, like just very corporate, whatever. And they're always like shocked at how many things I know how to do or how to fix or, or whatever. And I don't even, I don't even put myself on that kind of pedestal. Like I don't, I don't think I'm that great. And I think it's because my brother is like MacGyver. He's like this (laughs) next level, incredible, like you've put him out in a shed with a toothpick and he's going to come back with a new invention. Like, (laughs) so 
I compare myself to him and I think that's probably why I don't feel as strongly about it. But I think if I'm being honest with myself, I mean, just, you know, I remember at Christmas, like I got a laser engraver and a 3D printer and now I know how to use those and make things. And I have done both offensive and defensive things with it. Like I've sold things to people. I've also saved myself money because I created like Christmas presents and birthday presents and things like that with it. So I didn't have to go spend money. And that just happened, you know, a couple of months ago. It's like, it's always something out there that interests me. I don't know how you flip that switch in somebody's mind, but having like passions and interests and being like being interested in being interested, like, like <laughs> wanting to learn new things, like having that craving to always want to ha- learn how to do another skill is huge to me. Because if you don't have that, you got all the capability and everything in the world to learn that new skill, but you don't have the desire to learn anything new. You don't care. You're not curious. You, the skills aren't going to come because you're not going to seek them out. We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis at my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth, one dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug and play tools that you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash show, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash show to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash show. Now back to the show. I think another important thing here, now I'm looking through the list. I know I mentioned a couple of these, but I think a lot of people don't realize that soft skills are also putting in the reps and people will just think, Oh, like he's so good at networking or she's so good at communicating or he's so good at time management. Like people usually aren't just great at that right from the start. Like I was not a good networker. The only reason I got good at networking was because I had a mentor in college actually who had me reach out every single day to three people on LinkedIn who I thought were interesting and like half of them wouldn't hit me up on like 90% would not answer me. (laughs) I got on the phone with like 10% of them though. And I just like learned how to talk. And I'm sure if I had recordings of those first, you know, five, 10 calls, like I probably sound like an idiot. (laughs) I probably was just like stuttering and didn't have good questions to ask. But now, you know, I'm, don't want to call myself a professional podcaster, but we've been doing this for almost five years, Justin, like our communication skills. And, you know, that was kind of just the the beginning. That was the seed was talking to those random people, networking, getting my communication skills up. But it's like, it's been a craft that I've been honing for years and years and years. And I've like done some speaking classes before. And I've really focused on listening back to episodes and like cutting out filler words and phrases. If, I, if you go back and listen to the very beginning of our episodes, they're terrible compared to how they are now. Like the caliber <laughs> of the questions we ask now, just the way we speak, the everything, everything is so much better now because we've been putting in the reps. It wasn't skills that we were just born with. We weren't just like the best question askers and communicators and orators and able to think critically on our feet. Like this, this comes with reps. And I think yeah, all of these, like time management is another one where if you can get good at time management by putting in the reps and like maybe use a strategy like time blocking where you have like certain chunks of the day dedicated to certain tasks and like over time it starts to become second nature and someone's like, wow, you're so good at managing your time. You never procrastinate. And you're like, well, yeah, like here's what I did. It took five years or it took 10 years, but like 
I finally got here. And yeah, so I, I just think people don't give enough credit to the work that it takes to build up some of these soft skills if you're not just like naturally gifted in some of them. Yeah, it definitely takes being intentional about it and practicing. And it's it's funny because it's one of my pet peeves, like in a corporate environment, especially for someone to get you know a promotion or to get the first chance at something just because they've been there a long time. It's like, okay, so you survived. Like, <laughs> yeah. what is that? Why does that make you the best? But there is something to the fact of like, if you've seen a lot of different scenarios, like you're probably going to be better at it. So it's like there is an aspect to knowing, you know, say leadership. If you haven't managed people for multiple years, you just probably haven't had the opportunity to be presented with as many of these odd edge cases and know how to handle them. If you had only been managing somebody for a few months, like someone who's been managing people for years, they've seen it, they've done it, they know what to do. It doesn't mean that they necessarily, the other person doesn't have as much or more potential. And I definitely don't think it should be the ultimate criteria, just time. It's what you do with that time. But someone who has had more time, done more reps, like it's hard to replace experience. So yeah, get out there and and practice these things is definitely number one. Yeah. And you could expedite the journey. Like you can get more experience than someone who's been there for 20 years. Like, let's say you're a sales rep and you, you know, do cold calls or something like that. You can just like grind and put in the work and call way more people and just be way more active, way more engaged, maybe do some like side projects that this older person hasn't done before. And you can kind of like maybe not hurdle past them, but you can get pretty close to them without having those same amount of years. So yeah, like you said, Justin, it's all about the reps. It's just people who do have a lot of experience tend to have more reps just because they've put in the time. But like I said, you, there are definitely people who kind of jump rungs of the ladder by just like putting in a ton of reps. So I don't know if you looked through all these and read through all the descriptions, Justin, but you you had ChatGPT generate a list of hobbies that are best suited for monetization. Or did any stand out to you in particular or any that you thought were like better than others? Some of these I'm like, like music number seven here. Ah, like, I don't know about that unless you're like really good and you're teaching <laughs> other people, but like. <laughs> it's tough to make a living from music unless you're like the best musician ever, like such a small fraction of people. Some of these are pretty good, but I don't know if you had any thoughts on any of the other ones here. Yeah, I think this is a list that, you know, kind of hits home for people who are thinking about like, what's something I enjoy that maybe I could either make some money or, you know, prevent myself from needing to spend some more money on. Like, even if it's just like letting it be a we used to say this in the air force, like some things are just kind of like a self licking ice cream cone. Like they're just, <laughs> they're just like self perpetuating. So let's say you talk about music. Maybe you're not making a living from it, but maybe you're doing enough little shows or enough lessons here and there just so that you can buy that next guitar that you want, buy that next amp you want, buy that next pedal that you want. Like, so that way, like you're letting it pay for itself. There's something that feels really cool and is really neat about that where you you let the hobby progress as you earn kind of. So like say photography, you start out with a reasonable camera. You do enough pictures for people, you know, little league photos, whatever it is that you didn't take the money and buy a nicer camera. And like that's how you kind of earn it to yourself because I think sometimes we want to go out and buy the newest, nicest, whatever version and like realistically, your skills aren't in line with that equipment yet. And so I think that's kind of a cool thing is letting yourself earn it by saying, hey, if I take this one and I actually make enough money to buy the next model up, then cool. Like I've kind of earned it. 
but yeah, so these are, you know, I talked about earlier, some skills you just actually have a passion for and some skills you just have to be good at. I feel like this list is has a lot more aspects of things that people are more likely to have a passion for, even if it's not the most efficient. So it doesn't feel like work. So you're not quite as worried about the return on investment. That's fair when you frame it like that. But I'm just looking at like gardening. I'm like, I, when someone <laughs> asked me for a side hustle, gardening is never one that comes to mind for like, this is great for monetization. Selling the five tomatoes that you got for, you know, a dollar a piece or whatever. <laughs> some of these but are it pretty could good. Be a defensive one, right? It could be like, yeah. um, you know, now you're growing some stuff that you're not having to buy. Also, like, I don't think we should um, kind of overlook when you have something like that, that let's say it's just breaking even. It's entertaining and it's not costing you money. Like there's plenty of other things that you could be doing that are also entertaining to you that are a one-way street. Like there is no benefit to it. Like you are just spending money. Like going to watch a movie is not going to earn you any income whatsoever. But like if you really love gardening, at least you're getting something from it that you're not having to go buy from the store. Like it's a it's a little bit of a positive move. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll I'll give you that. I kind of, I was thinking about it like the skills that you could learn to make the most money. And when people usually ask me this question, because it's such a general question, right? People are like, what side hustle should I start? Or like, what skills should I learn to make a lot of money? It's like, well, what do you like? Like, what are you good at? But here's a way I like to frame it because there's just like so many different things that you can go from this point. What do rich people or rich companies or organizations with a lot of money, what problems can you solve for them? Because they pay really well. Actually, this guy that I follow, Alex Hermosi, he's like this business savant. He says, solve rich people problems, they pay better. And I always like think about this when I'm thinking about like side hustles. If there's a company, like let's say a blue collar company that like doesn't know how to do advertising or they like can't handle social media, but they're bringing in a ton of business. Like they're a multi-million dollar landscaping business. If you can like fill in a skill gap for that business that's already really profitable, like you're like, hey, I can bring you, you know, I can double your leads by learning social media or ads or like one of these other more technical skills. It doesn't have to be a technical skill. Just oftentimes those do pay really well. And it's like a great way to scale an existing business. Go and learn those types of skills. And again, there's so many kind of different areas where it could be like you're good at video. You're, you might be able to start taking videos for like a real estate firm. And, and now their houses are selling for $15,000 more because you have this like amazing video that you're taking for them. Like there's so many instances where if you think, how can I add value to this company that's already doing really well, like they have deep pockets, what skill set do I have or can I learn that I'm interested in that can you know, deepen their pockets, that can make them even more money? These are really high ROI skills because the people that you're providing the services to have a lot of money and they're making multiples of the value that you're providing to them. Actually, speaking of this, in the grant episode, he had mentioned like people hire you in a corporate and entrepreneurship, wherever, and they're looking to make a multiple on what they pay you. Like if someone's paying you $1,000 or even $50,000 salary, like it wouldn't be profitable if you weren't making that business multiples of the value that they were paying you. So like always keep that in mind, especially from a skill perspective. Like if you can have a really high value skill that's going to make a company a lot of money, even though it, they are going to be making multiples off you, if you can make a fraction of say $15,000, even if it's 10%, that's 1500 bucks. Like that's a lot of money. So I always like to use that framework when I'm answering questions about like, what skills should I gain or what side hustle should I start? If, you, if your main goal is to just make a lot of money, like Alex Ramosi says, solve rich people's problems and they'll pay you pretty good. Another cool thing, you know, that, that made me think about is, like earlier, we talked about something like networking. And now we're talking about like, okay, what's solving a rich person's problem? Yeah, you could do the, okay, I'm gonna, they're going to pay me directly for this. 
Or this could be the perfect avenue for that kind of networking piece. Like you solve that problem for them. And now all of a sudden they do you a favor. Like, let's say you're doing those videos for a realtor and you actually end up not charging them or you give them a crazy discount. And in return, they let you know about that house that hasn't been listed quite yet that you should probably go like take a look at or, you know, whatever it is like this kind of barter system, like it's not always trading a skill for cash. Sometimes it's trading a skill for a skill that you don't have, like for, for somebody else to fill in one of your gaps or for somebody else to give you an opportunity or access to a network or a person or an opportunity that you don't have. I love that you said that. And going back to the grant episode, that's how I got hooked up with grant. Like I didn't have a specific skill besides I could hustle and I had like unlimited energy because I was 22. So I was like, yeah, I'll organize your whole book tour and ended up making an Excel spreadsheet with like 700 locations that I had hit up across the country and ended up booking 90 of them. But it was something of value that I could offer Grant. And this is a lot of skills combined into one. It was like organization skills. Like I had this monster spreadsheet reaching out to libraries and bookstores and high schools and all these different places. So I was super organized with that. It was networking with these organizations and also getting closer with grant and working my communication skills. Like there were so many kind of skills bundled into one just because I was willing to try. I was willing to put in the effort. Obviously I'd never coordinated a book tour before, but because of the value that I gave grant, he wasn't giving me money for that. I, I was going to do it for free. It's come back like a hundredfold, like the lessons he's taught me and just like the mindset stuff. It's, it's been crazy. So yeah, I can't echo that enough. Justin, I think that's super important is like, it doesn't have to be a monetary reward. It could just be getting you in the right rooms with the right people. All right. Let's talk about saving money. And before we hit record, Justin, I know you had just mentioned, I'm like, Oh, where are you? Where are you working from today? Your background's different. You're like, Oh, I went into work because they had free food and I was able to charge my car. And there was a couple of other things you mentioned there. You are the master of learning skills that save you money. So were, were there any in this list that really popped out to you or that you want to highlight? There's a couple here that are like really close to me. You know, this comparison shopping and negotiation, like I love negotiating. <laughs> I love like trying to get the best deal, whether that be like actually where it's like a human interaction or whether it's me looking for a loophole in some kind of discount scheme or whatever it is, like I get a kick out of that. So Learning how to make that stuff be fun and not be a burden is definitely a skill that I have and something that I would hope that other people could kind of come around to. You know, a lot of people, when I'll walk them through like some kind of thing I did to get a deal, they're like, isn't that just like stressful thinking about that all the time? And I'm like, no, like it's fun. <laughs> like, I love it. Like, I wish I could do it all the time. Like, what are you talking about? And it's just, you know, the kind of perspective you're coming from. And then like cooking, you know. People always kind of marvel at my grocery budget and that sort of thing. And I know people who literally never cook. Like they get Uber Eats or they buy prepackaged meals for everything they eat. And it's like so much money that, you know, obviously if you're like rich enough, like sure, okay, you can do that. But most people like that makes a real difference. And then the other thing with all these that were, you know, some of these others will probably go through with saving money is no one in and of itself may seem like the most earth shattering thing like the basic car maintenance, like, you know, you're saving a couple hundred dollars here, a couple hundred dollars there. Okay. Like, you know how to repair stuff or, you know, how to upcycle some furniture. Okay. A couple hundred bucks here, but it's that death by a thousand cuts. It's that if you know how to do all these things to avoid all these expenses, now all of a sudden it starts to make a difference. It also means that you don't have to worry about where those expenses might go in the future. Like where, maybe some of these things that you're paying for now 
the price that it costs you to get that service goes way up. Like for whatever reason, inflation hits this specific market extremely hard, like where the knowledge gap in this one specific area dries up. I mean, we've seen it in things like plumbing and electrical. So few people know how to do it that it costs so much to get that work done now. The other thing I love about all these type of topics and skills is it makes me feel like I'm future proofed. Like no matter what happens in the future, even if something happens and I don't have as much disposable income or these things get really expensive, I don't care because I know how to do them myself. I don't need anybody else to do them. I don't have to worry about the variability. It doesn't matter. It's not something I kind of need to budget for. I think that's a really good point. I was just going to mention that, that I think your expense floor gets lower as you start to develop more of these skills. And it's not like you have to do all these things. Like you have the disposable income to go out and get an oil change, but just like just having the knowledge and wherewithal to be able to do it yourself. Like, like you said, if all your income streams dry up, the market crashes, the U S is in turmoil, like you know how to do an oil change. So you don't have to go out and pay for one if it becomes egregiously expensive. And I've definitely been on the other side of this lately where I've been like kind of paying to get things done for me. But then I think, and people like you make me a bit jealous, Justin. And obviously this is a crazy scenario, but like, we watched like the last of us and it's like in an apocalyptic scenario, like I should have some more skills. I'm like, I, you know, Justin knows how to build all this stuff. He knows how to change the oil on all this, these different vehicles. And I don't have some of these skills. I'm an okay. <laughs> I, can, I can do some cooking. I don't know how to garden. Like I, I probably couldn't survive in my own garden. I'd probably kill a bunch of my plants. And I'm like, damn, like if the apocalypse comes, I need to go and find someone who has some of these skills because Money won't be a thing when when, uh, when there's zombies or fungus or whatever is going to come and kill us all. I got to give my uh, my granddad, who's no longer with us, he's passed away years ago, but he, I got to give him a lot of credit here or just honestly, not even just like credit. It's just like something I got to put out there. He would always just kind of jokingly say you know, to us when we were kids, he'd just start going on these little, these little rants. So he's like, all right, boys. He's like, it's about to be perilous times. That's what he'd always say. Perilous <laughs> times. He's like, there will be no more of this going to the grocery store. He's like, what you need to be doing is buying goats. That's what you need to be doing, you know? So it, there is something that kind of like an insurance that it, like, it feels good to know that, you know, I don't think that we're ever going to be in that world where, you know, we get hit with some type of insane inflation where money's basically worthless. And now all we have is bartering like physical things for other physical things or skills for physical things like where the monetary system is broken and we can't invest. And, you know, all these online businesses and stuff start to fall apart because people are, you know, everything's just so broken. I don't think we're going to get there, but it just feels so good to know that it doesn't matter if it happens because you're <laughs> capable of surviving on your own. And yeah, that, that goes into another one of those categories of kind of like what we talked about with college before. Are some of these skills the most efficient way to become super wealthy? Like do people get super wealthy because they know how to install their own ceiling fan? Like, no, but it still has worth and it still can be fun. And not everyone is going to be this crazy rich business owner. So for a lot of just normal people, these kind of skills can actually mean a lot. And um, it's also just rewarding. Like it just feels good when you can like step back and look at something and say, you know what? I built that or I did that. I think I just need to go to like a six week survival camp where I learn all these skills. I learn how to garden. I learn how to hunt and forage. Like I learn how to use a bow and arrow to get my food because yeah, I've just Obviously, it's a very, very fringe scenario, and I'm not a prepper. I don't have a cellar full of like <laughs> gallons of water and 
all these barrels of food. But yeah, sometimes I think about it. I'm like, man, like if I've been getting comfortable, like kind of paying my way out of problems as of late, because my income has increased dramatically in the past couple of years. And I'm like, dang, like, you know, if we get hyperinflation, like Zimbabwe, or there's an apocalypse, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't have the skill. I don't have the gardening skills. I don't have the hunting with a bow skills. Like I, you know, I, I just, I don't have this stuff. So maybe I need to go to survival camp. <laughs> maybe you could teach me a thing or two, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe 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 we do a double whammy where it's like all right now we've got a business idea and uh, you know there and you we go. can learn some more skills Survival we camp, start yeah. running people through camps <laughs> yeah. That's great. we could target all the people like in boston who have no idea what the hell they're doing with, uh, with that kind of stuff i think we're on to something all right well, look at that we're, we're marrying our skill sets <laughs> it's also cool to me how like some of these things kind of transition from one to the other like we're talking about these that that save you money Obviously, like knowing how to cook and being interested and kind of passionate about cooking, as well as like my interest in nutrition and all the knowledge that I've learned around macros and building muscle and that sort of thing. Like those two things kind of came together for this, you know, we talked about in the intro, this rip dip idea. I don't think someone who has no interest or doesn't have any idea about cooking or making any kind of food themselves is probably never going to stumble into like a business where they're creating food product like sometimes things emerge from these skills that are just basic skills like personal finance and budgeting you know learning how to keep your own budget that might eventually morph into you becoming so good at it and you becoming so passionate about it that you want to show others and then all of a sudden now you're a personal finance coach and then all of a sudden you start a blog and then you learn how to blog and then you know like it can just morph from there so I think that's the other thing to keep in mind is they might just be a seed. It might just be like a seed skill that can eventually turn into something that's really important. And actually, Justin, something we haven't done in a while. Let's kind of let's start to spark the conversation in the Facebook group. We crossed a thousand members a couple months ago. We haven't been having as active of discussions as I'd like, but I think this is an interesting topic talking about skills and the offensive versus defensive skills. I'd love if we could kind of continue the conversation in our Facebook group at the fishow.com slash community. Let us know what skills you have learned or are learning or that you think are important. Let's just talk all things skills. I'll drop a comment. We can kind of start the thread there. And yeah, looking forward to chatting with everybody and seeing what you come up with. Yeah, I'll definitely look forward to that as well. And maybe people even get some ideas and I could even see it turning into a situation where someone mentions a skill, someone else sees that, it's something they want to learn. And oftentimes, if you find someone with a skill, they're pretty passionate about it and they're like excited to teach you about it. And so it could be this kind of self-fulfilling thing where those who are reaching out to talk about your skill, you might get to see another skill that interests you. And then boom, you've got somebody right there to help mentor you along the way. So definitely get in there and post those skills and, and let's get that Facebook group active. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to another episode of The Fi Show. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, the best way to do that is to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, share this with a friend, and also don't forget, you can find 200 plus episodes and all the information you'd ever want to have about these episodes over at thefyshow.com. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button because that way every Wednesday you can have our latest episode delivered straight to your phone. Until next time. Hey, real quick, before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available, the very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million, available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.